When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. my diehards my gamblers my degenerates mma fans all around the world what is going on welcome back to the diehard mma podcast it is monday the break is over francis Ngannou did us all very very proud this last weekend but i am ready to talk fights i can't wait we are cruising this year we are cruising right along best year since we started the podcast things are good things are good and that week off it killed me it was brutal. I got my brain rest like not two weeks ago. We had one event and then they're giving me another week off. No, 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 no. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm pumped up. I'm amped. We have done all the study. We've put the work in. We're ready to break down these fights for you. UFC Sao Paulo this week. Do me a favor. Smash the like button and we are going to get this bad boy rolling. None other than my man Mushroom already in the chat knows the guest with the dono. Thank you, Mushroom MMA saying puts this towards the 80 proof and more liquor. Yes, my friend. We will we will definitely have to do that. I enjoyed a little fireball this week and for uh, some of the other sporting events that, that happened to go on, but I will definitely use that to get powered back up. We got C. Dell Air Dog in the chat hanging out already. We got this new member here. We got Kush God 312KG. Thank you very much for becoming a member here at Pub Sports Radio. If you guys want to jump in the live chat, consider becoming a member here. We bring awesome sports betting action to you live here on this channel every single day covering every single sport. But do me a favor, let the algorithm know that the Die Hard MMA podcast is back on. We're going head-to-head with Monday Night Football. Always a tough sell. Always a tough sell during football season. But I've got a good guest for you guys. I think I've got a man who might bump those numbers just a little bit. A special treat for you all as we wind down towards the end of the year. Last show of October, none other than my man, Big Kyle Marley. How you doing, my guy? I'm great, man. I'm glad to be back on the show. Good talking fights with you. I've been on a few times. Always a good time. So I'm ready to get some winners from the guy that's hotter than anybody right now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Happy to have you on. But let's just pump the brakes for just a second, though, because you said I'm hotter than anybody. Um, I was going to intro you off. Usually I always like to ask my guys, like, you know, how'd you do last week? There's no fights last week. But unless I'm mistaken, you're on more of a heater than anybody I know right now. What's What's been <laughs> going on in your world the last couple of weeks? Yeah, the DFS side has been awesome. Uh, really, 
completely over at shippinnation.com. We've been crushing all sports, to be honest with you. But yeah, I've had the best like month of my life in DFS the, the last 30 days or so. I don't remember when it was when I took down the MMA contest, but I came in first, chopped it up with 10 people or so, and I won 13K on that. Then the following week, I won like 21 grand in NFL. And then I believe like two Mondays ago, I won a King of the Beach seat, which is a, a ticket worth eight grand. Uh, it's not actually eight grand cash, but it's a play in this upcoming week. Top 75 out of 250 go on to Miami and we compete for like a million dollars in, pri in prizes. So hopefully it turns into another big prize and we just keep this heater rolling. But the betting side, I've just kind of been riding even. So I'll be here getting some winners from you on the betting side. Hopefully I can throw some out as, as well. But I just saw a couple props were dropped. So I've been looking through them. Haven't had a, a ton of time to check them all out. But uh, hopefully you got some good ones for us. Absolutely. We'll be ready to go on that end here, man. But the, the beauty, even though maybe you're not crushing on the betting side of it, if you're winning on the DFS side, the brain's in the right spot. The reads are all there. So we just got to harness it and put it in the right place. Here we go, folks. We are breaking down UFC Sao Paulo for you here. This is Pub Sports Radio. Make sure you hit the like button and subscribe if you have not. The first fight of the evening that we are kicking off here is, I should have practiced, Kyle. Cal Fernandez? Kui Fernandez? I'm not sure how to say that. Versus Man, I'm not the name expert. I can tell you that much. I think we'll go last name on this one. We'll just say Fernandez like versus Dia Casey. I think that's the, <laughs> the best option here to go ahead and work around that. But we got Fernandez versus Dia Casey kicking off this evening. And Dia Casey is a guy, man, do you remember everyone was all in on D1 Dia Casey? Like that was, that was a thing. This man is a kickboxer turned wrestler who takes no risks. <laughs> like he started off his UFC tenure as a banger. He was the bone crusher. Like we loved watching this man get in there and throw down. Instead, now he just kind of wet blankets people and he doesn't even go for subs or ground and pound. Like it's simply just like, let me hold you here until this thing is over. That's all he does anymore. And he's welcoming in someone who's eight and one, 27 years old, Fernandez out of Nova Uniao. And this kid is a finisher. Four knockouts, two subs. He's got long, lanky limbs, man. That's the, the body style that I like to see for MMA. Uh, almost a karate style. Even though he's like, you know, Brazilian training out of Nova Uniao, he has a, a bit more of the. Uh, Oh, man. I mean, we're almost like uh, Henry Cejudo style striking, right? Like where he does the pawing front hands out in front of him, looking to parry and counter. And uh, he's a good scrambler. Obviously, training at Novo and Yao, they've got high-level BJJ players over there, 24-7 in the gym. So we know he's good at grappling, good sub defense, strong hips. That first initial level takedown defense seems to be on point. Good urgency to get back up to his feet and a quick quick back take i noticed this kid finds his way to the back of his opponents extremely fast his only pro loss by decision never been finished he's going to be two inches taller and dia casey man i remember i bet against him uh facing yoel alvarez i thought it was a nice cheap price tag on my guy yoel alvarez and you go back and you run that fight i forgot kind of how it went yoel alvarez was fading in that fight kyle i mean like 
he was getting the worst end of the striking. Diakese was countering well. He had busted up Alvarez's face already, had him backed up against the cage a couple times. That was the most aggressive Diakese I think we've ever seen, uh, or not ever seen, but we have seen at least in a couple of years. He was coming forward and willing to stand and fight fire with fire against someone like Yoel Alvarez, which not a lot of people are willing or able to do because of how big he is. And I felt like he was winning. And then they had a clash of heads. He immediately signals the ref, and he's like, ah, because he got him like, it was the forehead of Yoel Alvarez, like right towards the back of his. And you could tell it bothered him. He was shaken up. Ref didn't see it, told him to fight on, and then he got clubbed, knocked to the ground, and wrapped up in a submission. So I feel a little bad for Mark in that spot because he was in that fight. And Yoel Alvarez is a guy that a lot of us, myself included, are extremely high on right now. So having him go, you know, blood and guts with a guy that we think that highly of and then come out with that kind of a loss and now it looks like the UFC is ready to throw him in the bin and use him as fodder for the next guy, it's a little concerning. I feel like they're selling Dia Casey just a little bit short here. Um, I like Fernandez. I I think he's got a good skill set. He's well-rounded. I think he's got a home here in the UFC. But this is a tough out. This is a really stiff test for his first fight in the division. Uh, what do you make of this fight, man? Do you have a read on this one or, or any plays so far? Yeah, I do think it's a close fight. Fernandez looked decent to me, but I didn't see anything really special that made me think that this guy really belongs in the UFC and they want to get this guy a win, so they're giving him a, a name like Diakisi to beat. Um, I, I was kind of more impressed with his grappling over anything. I thought his striking mm-hmm. was okay. I mean, he had a great head kick knockout in his last fight that could have knocked anybody out. But aside that, I really don't think he's got that powerful of shots. And I feel like Diakisi's the more dangerous striker when he wants to be. But it's also it kind of feels like Diakisi's just lost confidence in his striking and he's fallen back on the wrestling instead. So I don't feel great about him winning the striking in Brazil. Um, So I, I feel like... The grappling is the edge for Fernandez, but I, I think Diakisi's got the wrestling edge. So when I think somebody has the striking and the wrestling edge, I usually pick them more often than not. I do favor Diakisi here. It's just the fact that it being in Brazil is worrisome. Um, but I just I think the line's close enough as is. I, w- I would have thought it would have been a little bit wider, to be honest. So I'm on the favor of this one. And for me, it's going to be Diakisi or pass. I don't have a play on him yet, but he is on the possible playlist. Uh, but the lines kept coming down, so I might just wait it out and see if I can get an even better number. Uh, I was looking at maybe DKC by decision, but we're really not getting much of a better number on that with the first line that they threw out. So money line would be the way to go for me. Okay, okay, I hear you. You know, on this one, man, I came fully prepared to jump in on DKC. Once I, once I kind of ran it back and reminded myself what happened against Alvarez, I was like, ooh, this is going to be a spot where – you know, everyone's going to kind of forget. They're going to, you know, forget all about Mark Diakese, and then they're going to fall into this trap, and um, I'm, I'm going to be there. I kind of thought I was going to be one of the guys on Diakese, but instead I kind of find myself leaning towards uh, the other side of Fernandez just because of the confidence. My guy Mushroom nailed it here is that he feels like uh, Diakese doesn't want to hurt people anymore, and that's that's concerning. You know, when you get to that point of your career where you're hanging on for dear life, and his last fight, He sold out, man. He came in. He went blood and guts with somebody that wanted war, and it didn't go his way, and he got cheated, and he got finished. And it's like, I really think Diakese's a bit of a head case. I I think he's a bit of a confidence fighter, and right now he has none. And when he was on that run, that D1 Diakese just 
maul them with the wrestling. He was all about it, man. You could like feel the confidence and the energy coming off of him. But you could kind of see him wilting after that headbutt in that last fight. And now he's getting thrown in here against another guy who has a very similar style to Yoel Alvarez, where he's that long-rangey kickboxer with the submission threat. I kind of feel like the UFC knows what they're doing here. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and lean with the UFC matchmaking here and say that I'm going to pick Fernandez, which early in the week, I thought I was going to be on Diakese. So it's a little bit of a flip-flop here for me. Um, close line, minus 130 Diakese, plus 110 on Fernandez. No bet for me. Um, I'm not going to bet this one. A lot of people planting their flag out there, getting very, very um, passionate about which side of this fight they're on. Not me. The one thing that does catch my eye, however, would be Fernandez by sub. Looking at the early prop numbers out here, I use Bet Online to check those because obviously they're not stateside uh, for a couple more days, but it looks like they've got Fernandez by sub at plus 650. And if we know anything, usually when it opens like that over there, we're getting a 7-1, to one, an 8-1 to one over here. They give us just a little more juice, and uh, I might be taking a sprinkle there with this Fernandez kid by sub looking to kind of replicate what happened in DKZ's last fight, especially because we know Mark will very likely look for the wrestling. And I think he might get his back taken in that process. So uh, I'm going to go with the dog here and we will disagree for the first card of, for the first fight of the night, which uh, kind of makes this fun. <laughs> yeah. Lots of favorites on this card. So we'll see if that continues. I, you know what? There's what three pickums on the whole card. <laughs> it's uh, I think we're gonna agree a lot this week, man. You just can't help it when the cards are built yep. that way. Um, next up, you got Montserrat Ruiz taking on Eduardo Mora, and I got a bone to pick, Kyle. I put a tweet out about this man, and I just I can't take it. I can't take it. These women have to stop nicknaming themselves Ronda. I know she revolutionized <laughs> women's MMA. I know we owe Ronda Rousey a massive gift, a massive amount of gratitude for what she did for women's MMA. Women's MMA rocks now. It used to suck, but now it is awesome because all these young athletes saw her compete, got inspired, and lo and behold, we have an explosion. Women's MMA is on the board, and, and the level is just co constantly rising at this point. But I can't take it. Every single Brazilian prospect is Ronda this, Ronda that, Russian Ronda. Like... Enough, enough. We can only have two at a time. Loser changes their nickname. That's what they need to do. Match them up with each other. Loser changes the nickname. I'm over it. No more Ronders. <laughs> All right. Rants over. This fight is one of the ones you mentioned, my guy. Uh, we can be short on the breakdown, I think, because Mora's a huge favorite. I know she's uh, coming in here making her UFC debut, I believe. Uh, either that or it's her second fight in the organization. But she's yeah. huge. She's 29 years old, Brazilian finisher, one decision win, six wins by sub, 9-0, undefeated. Five of her wins come in round one. She's a beast, man. She won her Dana White's Contender Series fight in round one, and this is, in fact, her UFC debut. Strong offensive grappling, likes that uh, that uh, foot sweep with the double leg where you, know, you get in deep on the hips and then you kind of fish that leg out from underneath them. It's a little bit of a trip, a little bit of a takedown, and uh, just nasty top pressure. Always looking for ground and pound, heavy hands, nasty elbows. Her stand-up, kind of a work in progress, but she is mean. And that's one thing I like about these young prospects, man. When you're a Macy Barber type of angry and you're coming after people, that's a lady I can bet on. She will have a six-inch height and reach advantage, if you believe it. Six inches. Ruiz, 10 and three. Best thing about her is her toughness. 
She's got that head and arm toss. You ain't getting anywhere near the head of Mora. <laughs> That's a, she's a dead woman walking. I'm sorry. I, I know that women's MMA and chalk women's MMA, they've got a bit of a bad rap, you know, when it comes to UFC gambling. I think Mora's a free square this week, man. Uh, I've never been sold on Montserrat Ruiz. Frankly, her skill set is not UFC level anywhere. And this girl is UFC ready. And she's going to be two weight classes bigger. This is a smash for Mora, in my opinion. What, what do you make of this one, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not picking Ruiz. Oh, yeah, like you mentioned, all she has is the head and arm, arm throw. And then she's decent in top control if she can get it. But she's got nothing off her back. She's got no striking. Mora's the better wrestler here. It's just that minus 500 almost. And I've only seen a little bit of film on this Mora girl. I'm not sold enough to lay that number. Uh, so I would rather look for a prop. They laid out plus 165 for submission. I don't mind that number at all. Uh, but that's how I see it going down, especially if Ruiz tries to get that head and arm throw. I feel like she gets her back taken. Rear naked choke is what this girl loves to do. So that's how I see the fight ending is with the rear naked choke at some point. Uh, but like you mentioned, man, there's really nothing that we're going to be sold about on Ruiz and I, I don't know if I'll ever pick her in the UFC she she already burned me once maybe it'll happen again so I'm not going to bet this minus 440 money line but Mora has to be the pick yeah I never say never man I, I absolutely never say never when it comes to the betting stuff got to be open to the opportunities that present themselves but uh yeah this uh, this one ain't it I've got a feeling she's going to get cut so we may never get the chance to bet on Montserrat <laughs> Ruiz ever again but uh in this spot the one thing I will disagree with you on is I actually think it's Mora by KO. And that's actually a much juicier number here in this spot, which just makes me lick my chops a little bit here. I'm loving this. The way she gets on top of people and mounts people and just mauls them, it's that women's physicality thing, man. I think when you're the bigger, strong, it goes a whole lot farther uh, these days in women's MMA than it does in men's MMA. Because with the men, I don't know, it, it's a much more level playing field when it comes to the physicality. With the women, there are massive jumps as far as who is the stronger person in the cage. And I think that's where Mora's going to have her biggest advantage. Because if you remember, in Ruiz's last fight, man, I was absolutely sold on her getting destroyed. In the first round, first takedown, it was going to be over. My girl Jacqueline Amorim, just one of the slickest BJJ players we've ever seen, she comes in there, and I'm thinking, this is it. It was supposed to be a one-round tap-tap done against my girl Sam Hughes. Ah, oh, no, no, no. We knew better than that. But Ruiz, yeah, it was going to be over with Ruiz. But what we saw was Corneo actually, or uh, Montserrat Ruiz actually has solid enough submission defense and positional awareness that she had to revert to ground and pound. Amarine won this fight at the 3 minute and 14 mark of round three. Like, Ruiz survived 13 minutes of submission offense from a high-level BJJ player in Jacqueline Amorim. So I think we take a page out of her book, man. I think this girl Mora will look for Mount and just start slinging elbows. I think the ref's going to step in and save her. So I spent way too much time on that to say that I think it's KO rather than sub. Uh, but if we can get like an even money inside the distance, that's where I'll be. Yeah, like Absolutely. That. All right. What's up, everybody? Coming in here. We got 52 live viewers. We're back. We're back. The numbers always suck after a week off. The, the internet forgets all about us, man. So hit the like button for me. Spread the word. Share this thing out there on Twitter, X, Instagram, Facebook. Share it with your grandmas. 
Facebook group. I will save your grandmama and her friends from the penny slots. We will make sure they're betting five bucks a pop on women's MMA on Saturday instead. So help us out. Get the word out there. <laughs> Next up, we've got Angie Hill taking on Denise Gomez. I love this fight, Kyle. Absolutely love this fight. So Angela Hill... You guys know me. I got a soft spot for my girl, Angie. She's just such a tough broad, man. This chick is awesome. She's 39 years old, Muay Thai practitioner, got to the sport late, and has just been a tough out ever since. She's been fighting the best of the best and just giving everybody hell. She fights to the level of her opposition. And I've always used that for Angie Hill as like a strength and a weakness. You know when you can bet on her. You know when you can bet against her. And you can almost always spam that split decision prop. Denise Gomes, relatively new to the UFC, 8-2 and two overall record, but she looks like a new version of Jessica Andrade, man. She's got nuclear missiles in those hands. Her first two UFC wins, both round one KOs. Now, we were all high on Yasmin Haregi, man. We all were really pumped on her, but the one knock was always, she gets hit. You know, like one of these days, somebody's going to catch her. One of these days, somebody's going to clip our girl Yasmin, and it's going to be upsetting. But it wasn't supposed to be Denise Gomes, man. She came across the cage and just like a bat out of hell, cracked her with one shot, put her down, and never let her get back up. One of the wildest knockouts I've ever seen for women's MMA. Never saw it coming, man. I, I bet on Denise Gomes in her UFC debut. Cashed in on her. Loved that power. And then never gave her a shot against Yasmin Haregi. So real big oversight on my part. But I love Gomes' entire game plan. Um, the problem for me is you don't finish Angie Hill. She's 15 and 13, man. She might be 39 years old, but she's turned into a bit of a prospect killer. She's settled in nicely into that gatekeeper role. Her losses, Verna Janziroba, uh, Mackenzie Dern, Tisha Torres, Lemos, by split, by the way, like she might have won that fight. Lemos just challenged for a title. This is a big break in competition for Angela Hill. So even if Denise Gomes does win this fight, I don't think she's finishing Angie. And frankly, if you're giving me 15 minutes of Angela Hill, I kind of lean to her being able to put together a full game plan. The money's coming in a little bit on Angie Hill. It looks like this line is moving down. But the only see the only thing I see online is bets on Denise Gomes. This seems like a very much public versus sharp type of fight where uh, the people who apparently have the respectable money are snatching up that plus and everybody else is piling in on the chick they just saw get a big round one KO. If anything, I'm looking at an over on this one, man, because I, I don't think Angela Hill's finishing Gomes and I don't know that Angela Hill's ever getting finished by anybody. So I lean towards Angie Hill, classic decision, maybe a split, uh, but if we get a half-decent number on an over, this might be the one where we uh, fade that public narrative and, and take an over two and a half instead of an under. What do you think? Yeah, I think this one goes the distance. I think it mainly takes place on the feet. And really, anywhere else in the world, I, I would favor Hill a little bit more than Gomez is, is favored right now. But in Brazil, when you got three blind judges scoring the fight, I could see them being swayed by every big shot that Denise Gomes lands. Uh, so I just worry about the judges, but I do slightly favor Hill in this one. So she is going to be my pick since she's got the plus next to her name. I don't know if there's enough value there for me to end up playing it, but it's definitely underdog or, or pass for me. And I think this one stays on the feet. It's 
going to be a close split decision either way. We might think that Hill clearly wins it, but the judges might think it the other way. So tough to bet on these types of fights, but I, I do think the line's a little bit off. Give me Hill. Absolutely. Right there with you. And, I, man, I think you nailed it. Split decision. Angie Hill is always in split decisions. And if the judges are going to favor the power, then give me the split. You, you know it's going to be a two-one-way, uh, two one-the-other-way type of situation. This one sets up very nicely to look a lot like the Amanda Lemos fight, in my opinion. So uh, I'm with you. I think value side is Hill. Haven't decided if I want to pull that trigger or not just yet. May sprinkle. That split decision for this one. All right, everybody. We are cruising right along here. Next fight up. Victor Petrino makes his long-awaited return. I guess it hasn't been that long. Taking on Modestus Bukowskis. And uh, it's funny, man. I've got, I think, a just brutally sharp read on Modestus Bukowskis lately. Like, I, I seem to know exactly what this man is capable of and when to be on him and when to be off him. And I've made a decent amount of coin on him so far in the UFC since he's gotten back here. These last couple fights have been just picture perfect. You know, he got taken out of the UFC, bad losses to Krut, Oleksaychuk, Roundtree, and then he went back over to Cage Warriors, got a couple wins and made it back to the UFC. And a lot of people just talking about, oh man, he's made so many improvements, he looks so good. No, no, no. Kyle, he's the same dude. He's the exact same guy as when he left. There's no change. He's Sam Alvey. He's big. He skips around in a circle, and he tries to set up the right hand. If he doesn't land the right hand hard enough to knock you out, then he's in a low-volume, close decision, or he gets his ass whooped. Like, those are the two options with this man. And we definitely got on the train at the right time to fade Tyson Pedro. He had a bit of a gas dump. He got outpointed. Nice dog cash on Modestus Bacaucus. And then he got Zach Palgua. Well, now it's time to sell, folks. It's time to sell. Because Victor Petrino is on all the good stuff. This man reminds me, uh, you know what? I think Victor Petrino is who we thought Paulo Costa could be. That's how, that's how I like to think of him. Like, he's got the same freak physique He's on the same good drugs. I just think he's a little more aggressive. He's younger. And I think he might end up being more skilled. So because we've got more time with Petrino, whereas you got a very inflated record uh, for uh, Mr. Paulo Costa. He came in a little bit late and does everything he can not to fight these days. I think we're going to see a lot of Victor moving forward here. He's a decent-sized favorite in this spot, and I just think it makes sense. He did break my heart in his last fight, man, because I laid it with uh, Petrino by knockout. It was minus 135, I want to say. He had won every single fight by knockout, and it was just too easy for me to fade one of the chinniest fighters on the roster versus a guy who only ever KOs people. Folks, be careful. Bookies will do everything they can to trick you and trap you, and Marcin Pracnial could have been dead at any point in time in that fight, but Victor wanted his first ever win by submission so what did he do he kept grappling he kept looking for the takedown he kept going for subs instead of just finishing the fight it finally happened deep in round three after the under two and a halfs had failed after all the ko props tickets had been ripped up into pieces he gets the sub so if you bet inside the distance you were the one with the winner and the ko people like myself cried ourselves to sleep be careful when this kind of shit happens those uh gift lines are usually not gifts but in this spot i don't see how Vic, uh, victor really loses to modestus because he's not going to settle for the type of fight that modestus wants modestus will run around the cage he will try to set him up and maybe he'll crack him with one or two big hands but 
Victor is going to always be moving forward. He's going to always be landing bigger, and it's going to look like Modestus is running away from him the entire night. When they connect, Vitor is going to be the one doing all the damage, and hell, he might even finish him. We're looking at uh, Bakaukas, who's been knocked out three times already in his professional career. So I think we go back to the well. I think we go back to the KO. I do have a couple concerns about Vitor's uh, gas tank at this point, just because he does the Yoel Romero explode and reload type of thing that I wonder if maybe he'll gas. But I don't think Bukaukas is the kind of guy that's going to take advantage of that. So I'm oddly comfortable with the minus 225 here on, on Petrino. What, what do you think, man? Uh, yeah, I agree. Great breakdown. I'm all over the Petrino side of this one. Hard to see how he loses. Uh, maybe if this was in Bukaukas's back, uh, uh, like if it was in his neighborhood, the line mm. would be right. But this one's in Brazil. It's even on Petrino's side. Uh, and people do not like getting hit by this guy, man. He is a tank. And I, I give him the striking edge, whether it be by volume, landing the harder shots, winning uh, on damage, um, or if he just wants to use his powerhouse of a wrestling game plan, I think he could go out there and land five to ten takedowns in this fight if he wants to. I do worry about the cardio a little bit as well, especially if he's like wrestling hard or trying to finish this guy and he just can't do it. Uh, but I just don't think Bukowskis is the guy that's going to make him pay, like push a pace mm -hmm. and drown him into deep water. So I like Petrino in this one, and I agree. I think he gets a knockout. Whether it be on the feet or the ground, I think he could just get some ground and pound and, and put this guy away too. But Bukowskis ate a few big shots from Zach Palga, and Petrino is going to hit a lot harder than Zach Palga was hitting. So I don't yeah. think he's going to get up from those ones. That's uh man, you hit the nail on the head right there with that one. That I was like, I think Petrino hits a little harder than Palquat does. I've just got this feeling. So I'm I'm right there with you. I think when the moment comes to engage, he'll learn real quick the difference in the power. And uh that'll probably be the beginning of the end. I, I don't think this fight lasts very long, quite frankly. Um, all right, we can move on. Next up, we've got Elizu Zaleski dos Santos taking on Renat Fakradinov. What a fight. This one's really good. I feel like this fight might be uh, flying under the radar just a little bit here. So, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, I don't know what the deal is with him. I feel like he's 42. He's only 36. <laughs> I was really taken aback when I looked at the numbers because I did not realize how young he is. Um, I thought he was going to be much, much older than 36 years old. So there's still some gas in the tank here for Mr. Elijah Zaleski Dos Santos. But he's got that flowing capoeira striking crazy big power. He's a little low volume, but he can end the fight from any position with a single strike. This man's got power in every single limb he likes to uh attack the lead leg of his opponents he's got that stabbing teeth kick really works the body with big powerful body kicks and then he uses his hands almost as a counter puncher like he's not a great boxer when he's aggressing but he'll use his kicks at distance and then once you close the distance and try to look for takedowns or you try to get in the pocket with him all of a sudden those hands are flying and he catches people off guard on their way in renat fakradinov 22 and 2 this man is a grueling mauling chain grappler great mma boxing with solid power but we don't see a ton of it because his striking is a vessel to get him onto his opponents he does everything he can to make his way to his opponents get them against the cage get the body lock drag them to the ground and that's what he does he just kind of drags people around the cage he has no issues posturing up and raining down punishment you're not going to worry about losing a split decision based on control with mr runnot fakradina because he will absolutely sell out to hurt you once he's got you on the ground my only thing with him 
is this is actually a pretty big step up in competition. Renat Fakhradinov seems to be everybody's darling right now at this point, man. But his resume is still a little weak in my opinion. You look back at what he's done, and Brian Battle, that one aged really well. Brian Battle looks great. But you know what? He's a jujitsu guy with really not much of a get-up game. He doesn't have anything as far as counter-wrestling or anything like that. And he is willing to hunt subs off of his back until he finishes you. We saw that in his last fight. He just kept on rolling with AJ Fletcher until he finally found his way to a choke. He couldn't stop the takedown to save his life, so he gets grinded out. Kevin Lee. I mean... Man, I was pounding my chest. I was the biggest Kevin Lee guy in the world. I thought this guy was going to come back to the UFC, make a second run of it, actually look good after taking some time off and really working on himself. No, no, no. He shot to bits. To bits. And he's fighting up a weight class. So he gets clubbed and subbed out of there in round one. Not a shock. Andreas Mikolaitis. You know what? That guy had one win in the UFC. Just one. And you know who that was over? K.B. Buller, one of the most disappointing prospects we have ever seen. The guy didn't win in the UFC at all and is now overtaking L's in uh, unified MMA. Like, he was not the prospect people really expected him to be. So, so as of what he's done in the UFC, you beat the guys they put in front of you. They're bringing him along. Okay, no complaints. But it's a weak level of competition. Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos is nobody's bitch. This man, if you'll remember, is responsible for one of the worst beatings we've ever seen on live television when he mauled Benoit Saint-Denis. That was a crime, man. It was a crime against humanity, and we watched it for 15 straight minutes, televised for funsies. I faded Renat Vakardinov with Kevin Lee, man. I, I thought someone who might be able to wrestle a little bit with a submission threat, who might be a little bit of a better striker, could pose this guy some issues. Now, obviously, Kevin Lee is shot to friggin' bits. But I kind of feel like I might have to go back to the well with Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos. Renat is minus 345. Easy Dose is plus 275. And with that BJJ black belt, with that long-range kicking game, with his ability to hurt people with a single strike, and from what I saw, Brian Battle's ability to use the cage to get back up to his feet... I think Easy Dose could cause some problems here for Renat Fakhradinov. We've never really seen him push. We've never really seen him challenged. And I think he's going to get a test here on Saturday, Kyle. This line is a little too wide for me, man. What do you think? Yeah, I do think the line is getting a bit out of hand because I would give Easy DS the striking advantage here. Uh, and I would say he's just all around the better striker, going to be the higher volume striker, more dangerous striker. Fakhradinov landed that big straight right that put Kevin Lee down. But, I mean, he was looking a little sloppy before that with his striking. Mm -hmm. So it's really just his wrestling and ground game that I'm impressed with. And if he falls in love with the striking after dropping Kevin Lee, I don't think that's going to be a good thing for him. Uh, but I do think the one thing he's really, really good at could work out for him here. And he's a guy who can land up to 10 takedowns in a fight go for a hard 15 minutes, which I always love. Those are great DraftKings plays. The guys, you don't even need to get an early finish to score 120 points. Fakhradinov can get 120 points just by laying on his opponent for 14 minutes. Um, so great DraftKings play, but I don't think I want to lay minus 345 on the money line. I would rather just take a shot on the underdog in this one, especially over in Brazil. So I don't hate where you're going with that play, but I am going to pick Fakhradinov to win 
on the scorecards and plus 200 for decision doesn't look too bad. I feel like he could win 30-26, 30-25, just completely dominate the fight on the mat if he wants to. Um, so I'd rather take a shot on a prop or something like that if I'm taking the Fakardino side. I hear you. No, that's not bad at all, man. Honestly, I, I would be looking for that front choke from Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos. But he's got a tight squeeze on him. 16 to 1, it looks like, over uh, overseas. But I do like the call. If Fakhradinov is going to win this one, I don't think it's a round one crashing the way that his last couple wins have been. Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos has put on a show and been durable his entire career. I think turning a minus 300 favorite into a plus 200 dog with that prop, that's a sharp-ass move, man. I like that look. And I think that would be the way to go. I think if Renat wins this thing, he's going to have to do it over time. And it's not going to be something where he just breaks him early. Um, I do think if Elizu does win this fight, it's more than likely catching him with something, probably inside the distance. But I thought that when he fought Benoit Saint-Denis too. And then he beat the brakes off him for 15 minutes. So you can't count out the decision with Elizu Zaleski pulling the upset, which is why I think Moneyline would probably just be the move. Haven't bet it yet. Might take a one-unit shot on Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos here in this spot, but we'll see by the end of the week. I'll, I'll make my mind up, obviously, and post the official action on uh, you know Twitter, X, Instagram for all you savages out there. Next up, we are talking about Daniel Marcos taking on Victor Hugo. Both these guys very recently on Dana White's Contender Series getting shoehorned in here to the big show. Daniel Marcos, Kyle, I feel bad for my guy Davey Grant. Did you did you watch that fight? Did you run that one back the the Davy Grant Marcos fight before this? Um, I bet on Davy Grant in that one. Thought I got uh, thought I got robbed, so I did. I didn't really want to go back to that yet. I'm not I'm not completely done with my my work yet for this week, so I haven't gone back to it yet. But we'll see if I even want to. I'll, maybe I'll just <laughs> go off of your memory. <laughs> that one's that one's tough to watch back, man, especially if you had Davy Grant. Now, I passed on this one. I actually feel like when I broke this fight down for the Davy Grant spot last time out, I nailed it. I said, this is a fight where I want to bet my guy Davy Grant. I think the dog money is the right side, and I completely agree with you that at the end of the day, I felt like he should have won that fight. Very questionable split decision win for Marcos to keep his shiny 15-0 and 0, uh, undefeated professional record. And then I also said that this was going to be one of those butt-clinching overs <laughs> where the fight has no distance, no, no reason to make it the full distance. No way should this fight ever go the full 15, but it will. <laughs> and that's exactly how it went. Uh, I like Daniel Marcos. I like his game. I like his fighting style. He's got really fast hands, man. Good movement. Good footwork. I like his shot selection. Very intelligent striker. But he does drop his hands. And he gets a little over aggressive when he comes in on opponents, especially when he thinks they're hurt. And that's something that I think will eventually bite him. I think somebody will crack him. And I thought that would be Grant, believe it or not. But uh, he, he managed to get through that one. So Victor Hugo more recently was on Dana White's Contender Series. He's 30 years old. And he got a round two sub. Now, here's the thing. I actually plugged in a live bet on his opponent in that fight because he absolutely destroyed his man in round one. It seems like he starts really, really fast, and he's all gas, no breaks, and he gassed out badly, man. His gas tank is not built for anything more than seven minutes. He's got a nasty submission game where he only needs one takedown to get the job done, and in fact, that's what ended up happening. As soon as I live bet Eduardo... 
Eduardo made a mistake grappling. They hit the ground. And what? The knee bar. Because that's the new fluke move in MMA. If you're not going to win the fight any other way, you grab a knee and it's all over. So he gets knee barred right after I live bet him. But boy, did it look like he was taking that fight over. Hugo doesn't have a parachute. Hugo doesn't have a plan B. He just comes in and looks to wreck you early, get you to the ground, sub you out. But if that doesn't work, he doesn't have much left to give. He will have a two-inch reach advantage here in this spot. But I think Marcos is going to be able to pace himself a whole hell of a lot better than any fighter Hugo's ever faced before. This is one where I think Hugo's the fun guy from Dana White's Contender Series that they know is going to cause a banger of a fight. And hell, we just saw Cody Brundage got announced. He's got another fight, man. They didn't cut him. They're bringing him back for one more go at it. Why? Because he's never in a freaking boring fight. Something insane always happens. Every single Cody Brundage fight. That's what they're doing these days. And that's what I think Hugo is. He's a guy that's going to get in there. Maybe he'll get one or two UFC wins via first round sub. And the rest of the time, he'll go out on his shield in rounds two and three. So I think this is going to be a spot where Marcos ends up finding his man later in the fight. You know, second round, third round knockout type of situation. I like the favorite. I like the undefeated Marcos. I, I agree with Marcos being the favorite. I like his striking game a lot. I expect him to, to double, triple um, Hugo up on volume. Um, but, man, I, I think that Hugo can make this interesting if he can go out there and get takedowns. I think he's live for a submission uh, in the first half of the fight. And I also think he could maybe win the first two rounds with wrestling. If he could just get, top, uh, get a takedown, hang on to top control, you know, hunt for some submissions and not get them. And then Marcos wins the third round. This one's in Brazil, too, if it's close. If it's half the fight to Hugo, half the fight to Marcos. At this line, man, I, I don't trust judges at all. So I would rather take my chances on the underdog with this line. But it was the line that talked me into it. Like, if you're just giving me a pick'em line, I do think Marcos wins this fight more often than not. I just don't know that he wins it more than 70% of the time. Um, So I, I'm going to go ahead and take Hugo in this one. I, I'll take him by submission or... Uh, a real close squeaky decision okay all right that's fair enough man i do think he's more than capable of finishing uh, you know i'll definitely uh tip my cap there that i'm like this guy's dangerous you know what i mean if he gets in there and he gets the right spot on you you're, you're just dead man walking so hugo absolutely could finish uh but i just think if the fight gets extended he's gonna end up dropping two rounds after he's uh you know left himself on the table after trying to get it done in the first i could see that yeah well here we go man this one I'm not even sure how much we should talk about it, quite frankly. So Elvis Brenner taking on Esteban, Esteban Ribovix. And this was one of my favorite fights on the card. I was so looking forward to this one. The problem is there's some weird thing happening right now where the UFC is like pulled the stats down. Like it's not on ESPN anymore or something like that. Something's going on. It's weird. I don't know what's happening, but it looks like this fight may not be happening. Somebody, and again, I, I'm sorry, I don't have like an official source or anything like that, but somebody on Twitter said that like sources close to the fight mentioned that there's an issue that like it might be falling or something like that. So I don't think this fight's going to happen. Um, it's interesting because you've got two guys that appear to be made out of steel. Elvis Brenner just killed my guy, Guram Katutalatse, in the third round, no less. Something I never thought I'd see happen. Almost died in the first and just punched his way back in. This guy refuses to go away. And he's incredibly skilled everywhere. Um, I like Elvis Brenner a lot. And then Esteban 
has worked so hard on his grappling. I took Cam Kirk against him in the last fight because I thought he was going to get shown the door very early against a grappling specialist. But his sub D held up. And then as the fight goes on, this guy gets stronger. His cardio is a weapon, and he just keeps on coming forward. If you don't finish him, he's going to come after you. And you probably can't finish him, and his wrestling is getting better. So I don't really want to stand in the way of Ribovic's in any spot, frankly, because he's improving, and that cardio is something I think that a lot of people just aren't going to be able to hang with. Brenner, I think, might have the more potent offense and could be the higher caliber finisher. We've seen him hurt a couple times, though, and he just kind of wills himself through the damage to continue coming forward. I think that's eventually going to let him down. Someone's going to hit him hard enough to put him away or follow up on it. And believe it or not, maybe not like a one-hitter quitter type, but more of a volume guy like Esteban, after he hurts him, just never let him off the hook, might be the guy to find that finish. I don't know that this fight is taking place, but it's not one that I need to bet. There's a lot going on with both these guys. They're both very exciting prospects. It's a closely lined fight where Eb uh, Ribovics, I believe, is a short underdog in this spot. and. It's a coin I don't need to flip. Saying that in 2023 has probably been the number one most profitable thing, Kyle, that I have done is identified these fights where in hindsight, one guy looks like minus 500, but pre-flop, it's very clearly a pick em, and just avoiding them. This fight could go either way, and I want no part of it. Um, Brenner's a minus 155 favorite. Ribovix is a plus 130 dog. It would be dog or pass for me. Great live betting opportunity if the fight happens. Because if Brenner starts fast, you can always bet on Ribovix during the fight. And I think that's maybe always the move with this guy. Um, but pre-flop, I guess, uh, what do you make of this one? Yeah, I feel like this is the front runner for fight of the night. So I hope we don't Absolutely. lose it. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think this is just a, a close, fun fight. I don't plan on betting it, but I think it was going to be a good one for DraftKings because both guys have high ceilings with it being a high-paced fight. Both of them have finishing equity too. So for DraftKings, I, I think we're going to need this fight because I'm looking for some underdogs to target on there. Uh, but I think Ribovics is a good striker, probably the better striker of the two, maybe higher volume if this is a three-round striking match. Probably more dangerous too on the feet. But his takedown defense was just so pathetic against that Loic guy two fights ago. And then even in the first round against Camilla Kirk, he was taken down right away. And then Kirk gassed out and he had nothing left to get him down in the second or the third round. I don't think Brenner gasses out at least not that easily. Um, I think the striking could be close in this one, but I give Brenner a, a big edge on the mat, whether it be a submission or just grinding out minutes. This one's also in Brazil. So I'm siding with Brenner in this one. I just don't really want to lay that juice. But, man, I hope this fight happens because I do think it's our fight of the night. And uh, these guys are probably getting 50K afterwards if, if they go in there. Hell, yeah, man. I just want to see it. That's the biggest thing for me. I just want to see it happen. This is such an awesome fight. I really hope it doesn't get taken from us. We'll, uh, we'll you know, disagree again on the closely lined fight here. But, again, no investment from me. You're not going to see me uh, betting this one, especially heavily or anything like that. So, uh, brace yourselves if there ends up being any action on that fight for me later on in the week. All right, man. We're about midway through this card. Good time to pay a couple of bills. First and foremost, you all know the sponsor, Pub Sports Radio. That's where we're at right now, our home. Make sure you smash the like button. Consider becoming a member. Check out PubSportsRadio.com. We've got free contests every single week. 
free to sign up, pick your fighter, your method, your round, and you could win 100 bucks for every single UFC event. Winner of this free contest gets 100 bucks from Pub Sports Radio. And you can see the Pub Sports Radio cappers picks right here on the page. There's my shiny, beautiful little face. And right there is my guy, Tone Miggs, coming from the uh, Pub Sports Radio group here. Levels play of the day. Tone is one of our guys, and he likes himself a big underdog, it looks like, if I'm seeing that play correctly on the screen. So we, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the evening. Make sure you check out Pub Sports Radio. Spectation Sports, use the promo code DIEHARD if you sign up here at Spectation. They do regional MMA shows, and there's betting odds out there. I believe uh, MGM has partnered with them at this point for lots of betting action on some of these smaller cards. We've got Mecca coming up. We've got Cage Titans coming up. There's a lot of awesome events to end the year, and if you need some more MMA action in your life, Spectation Sports is the place to be. If you guys like the podcast and you want to rock some merch here, support your boy. The best way to do it is to come to my spread shop and grab you a shirt, especially if you trust your balls because you can get yourself one of these honorary Trust Your Balls shirts right there. So if you're interested, there's the link. And next up, we have got the Sharp app. If you like anything other than MMA, obviously, I can't help you out with that. But they have professional betters. They've got tools. They've got a prop optimizer kit. You can tail them. You can see where the sharp action is. You can see where the model plays are. Check out the sharp app. You can sign up for their Discord. And I will put a link to that in the description below. Last but certainly not least, bet openly the best tool for MMA gamblers that you guys could ever ask for. If you have not signed up here for bet openly yet, you need to. It takes out the bookie. Anything that was minus 110 is now plus 100. You are saving that juice because we're going peer-to-peer. -peer. Create a bet. Bet with everyone. Select your sport, whatever it may be. I've got two hockey bets going this evening. They've got football, whatever you want. But the best thing is for MMA. Look at the differences in these numbers just because you're cutting out the middleman for the sports book instead of laying minus 110 you get plus 100 on armin petrosian you look down here at victor petrino who's a minus 225 favorite you can get him from minus 194 on bet openly we're all going to save money long term using this tool it is a gambler's dream make sure you sign up here for bet openly i will get that link in the description below and of course fire it in the live chat for you all viewing the show live with me right now speaking of y'all viewing with me right now Let's get on with the evening. We got some more awesome fights to talk about. I am joined by none other than Kyle Marley, who is the leading DFS expert, at least in my world. And he's going to give us his reads on these fights and help steer you the right way to make some money. 40K month for my guy. 40 freaking K month for my guy, Kyle. So definitely want to pay attention to what he's got to say. First Bonfim bro of the night, Ismail Bonfim takes on UFC veteran Vince from hell. Pichel. And I got to tell you, Kyle, I hate betting against Vince Pichel. He's just, he's such a nice guy. He's got such an epic mustache and he fights his ass off every single time he's in there. Like you can never ask for any more effort from Vince Pichel than what he offers. He always goes a hundred thousand percent in there, but the buddy's getting old, you know, now he's 40. And I went back and I ran some of his tape, and he's been fighting extremely admirably. He's got that karate-style striking. He's a strong, solid grappler. His submission defense is on point. Like, There's a lot to like about Vince Pichel, but you can't compete at this level at that age for long, man. It just is not going to work. The one thing that I really noticed looking back 
his the way when he fought Jim Miller, he was getting countered on all of his exits. He's got that karate style where it's really reliant on your speed, your head movement, getting in and out on time. That ain't going to work against the Bonfim bros, my guy. Their hands are so fast. Their boxing is so clean. And both these guys have a tight squeeze. The club and sub is always available. So I know it sounds gross, but you got to go inside the distance with the Bonfim bros. Unless you're getting like a drastic pricing difference or something. Because they could just as easily knock their opponent out as they could sub them. And it's just based on what their opponents present or what they're in the mood for. I think this is a get-right spot for Ismail, man. He did go ahead and drop that L. He let the whole world know just how good my guy Benoit Saint-Denis is in his last fight. But the only way you beat this man is by submission. If you're not going to take him down and tap him out, you're probably not beating him at all. And he just wrecks people if that's not the case. I think the sun has set on Vince Bichel. I think it's time. I love the guy. I don't want to pick against him. I wish I could find an angle to bet on him. In fact, I tried. I came into this fight hoping maybe there was a way I could make an argument for him. There's not. And if I had to pick one, I know like it's it's usually the sub thing, but Vince has actually got really good submission defense. And the speed and the movement, I think, is going to be the key. I kind of think it's a knockout. I think Ismail Bonfim probably cracks him on the jaw and puts him away, man. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I agree. I think a prime Pichel, if you gave me this number, I would take a shot at that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I feel like he would have a wrestling offensive wrestling edge at least and and if not for two rounds maybe three rounds um but now i mean he turns 41 next month we haven't seen him in a, in a year and a half he's got terrible wrestling defense um so i just have a hard time thinking he goes out there and beats bonfim in brazil i feel like this is a fight that the ufc wants the bonfim brothers to get wins in so absolutely i'll agree with them i i, I kind of think the knockout's coming as well I mean, a lot of those shots he was landing against St. Denis would have knocked out a lot of people, maybe even mm -hmm. Michelle. So uh, I'll take him to get that win here. But, yeah, man, what what an impressive performance from St. Denis. Like, how, how are we going to fade that guy moving forward? What if what if he faces, like, Fakhardinov? Who, who are we picking in that one, you know? That's oh, what it, I would like to see. It's BSD to the moon, my guy. And, I, you know, sneak preview here for next week. Um, he's taking on everybody's favorite redhead, you know, Matt, the steamroller Frivola. Oh, right, yeah. I can't go against Benoit, man. I love Matt Frivola. I did a show with him like three weeks ago. I'm going to have such a hard time coming on camera and being like, Benoit St. Denis is going to nuke him. That's what he does. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm BSD all the way, man. I can't get away from it, even if I love the fighter he's facing. I feel that. Yeah, it's so tough, man. It's hard to make friends with fighters because when you're betting against them, it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> Next fight up, you got Hodolfo Vieira taking an Armin Petrosian. And this is the one bet on this card that I've already locked in, man. Uh, I'm on Armin here in this spot. I'm fading the Black Belt Hunter one more time. And it's funny because uh, I see some people who I love and respect out there in the Twitter community. And they're like, oh, like, you know, he's he's a big underdog and nobody wants to bet him against these guys. And now all of a sudden he's even money against a high caliber grappler and everybody wants on him. And I'm like, no. I've bet him literally every single fight he's been in the UFC. So I've been on the Armin Petrosian train since the jump. I love this guy. I love his striking. I love his pace. I love his cardio. And the one weakness in his game is he gets taken down. Like we know he can get taken down, but he's a Jamal Hill type, man. He gets up. 
that's the thing that you got to remember about Armin Petrosian. His game is not centered around keeping himself on the feet. It's centered around knowing how to get himself back up. So people actually end up getting tired trying to take him down because he will just continuously get back up and punch them in the mouth. Now, Adolfo Vieira, world champion jiu-jitsu player, right? They call him the black belt hunter for a reason. Nobody's touching this guy on the ground. It's not even close. But what we have seen from him is questionable cardio. And Chris Curtis really laid out the blueprint of how to beat this guy. Now, if you just keep your hips away from him, keep your distance, pitter-patter poke at him, he's going to have a hard time beating anybody in the striking realm. His striking is coming along. I will give credit where it's due. Adolfo Vieira is making strides. The one thing I really like about him is that power jab. He's got so much muscle. His jab is like anybody else's cross, man. It looks like he hurts people when he sticks that jab out there at the right spot. But... You know, it's all power muscle wrestling. Everything is explode. Use every single fiber of muscle he's got to get this fight to the ground. And then he needs to just catch his breath for a second. And I think this is the wrong guy to have that kind of style against. No, Armin Petrosian doesn't have the shiny 100% takedown defense rating that Chris Curtis had when they fought. I don't expect him to never get taken down, but I do expect him to have good enough submission defense to work his way to the fence, to work his way back up, to work his way to his feet, and then put a beating on this man. I'm on Petrosian, and it looks like the line's moving against me. The line is moving the other way, so I do hate to see that, that a lot of people are agreeing with me on Petro, and the line is kind of steaming the other direction. That does make me a little bit concerned, but at the end of the day, I got to go with my read. This is a pick at this point. I think I laid minus 130 on Petrosian. It's minus 110 either way now um, is what it is. I got Armin Petrosian. Uh, what do you think of this one, Kyle? Yeah, it's it's a close fight. I did pick Petrosian, but Happy I don't feel good about it. I don't have a bet on it, especially over in Brazil. But the way I see it going is either Rodolfo Vieira gets him down in the first round, dominates him, gets a finish in that first round, which Vieira first round submission is plus 450. That would be the way I would want to bet him. Uh, I think that's very in play. If he doesn't get that first the first round submission though i just think he does start to slow down the takedowns don't come as easy if he does get a takedown the submissions won't come as easy getting back up is going to come easier for petrosian he's going to go harder for for three full rounds but the way i would want to bet petrosian would be by decision i think that's like plus 265 or something like that that they dropped because I don't know that he's going to really sell out to finish Vieira. I don't know if he's going to be throwing a ton of kicks so that Vieira is not grabbing him and taking him down. Exactly. So I think he's just going to kind of weather that first round storm at least. And then the second and the third round is all him on the feet. So I like Petrosian to win by a decision. But man, that first round, <laughs> it could be a real sweat. I couldn't agree more, man. I'm glad we agree on this one because so far we've disagreed on all of these pick em price tag spots. So happy uh, happy to be in the same boat here for this one. But I think maybe betting at preflop might have been the wrong path. Live betting may be the option here, man, because he's probably going to lose round one the majority of the time. And you could just keep your money in your pockets until he survives round one and then jump in at a plus price tag towards the end of the round or uh, between rounds. That might be a smarter move. So if you haven't bet this one yet, but you agree with us and you like our side, just chill. Wait, get in during round one because I'm with you, man. I, I don't think if Chris Curtis wasn't knocking you out, and this guy talked about how Chris Curtis was the hardest puncher he's ever faced and how he wanted to go down from the body shots, but he was too will he willed himself through that damage 
Like he was too tough to actually go down. I don't think Petrosian's going to get him out of there that easily. So maybe it's a round three, but it's probably a decision in which case I think you're safe to get out of round one. So maybe a live bet spot. If you don't want to get in pre-flop, I don't mind that whatsoever. And it's definitely one I will have circle and keep in my eye on, even though I'm already on Petrosian uh, to maybe get in a little bit more if the number is good and we're seeing what we like to see after that first round. Uh, I mean, I actually don't know about the whole live betting spot because if Petrosian just stuff takes downs in that first round, he's going to be minus 300 going into that second round. So it all just comes down to whether he can stay off his back, in my opinion. And I, I do think he is live to just not get taken down at all in this fight and clearly win 30-27 on the feet. So I don't hate if – if you think – he's going to win. I don't hate the line right now where it is. I'm just not as confident as you. I feel like he could just get blown out of the water of here. It looks like a minus 500 favorite walks through him in the first round in Brazil blows the place up. I'm <laughs> a little bit worried, but for me, I think I like Vieira more on DraftKings because if he wins, I'm confident he's going to score. Well, if Petrosian wins, I don't feel like he's going to score well on DraftKings. Uh, but it would be maybe, not much of a sweat if he's not getting on his back at all. I feel like it's a clear win if he's not getting taken down at least. Okay, fair enough, man. And that's that's a valid point. Like, I'm assuming he gets taken down twice in the first round and just works his way back up to his feet, but maybe you're right. You know, maybe, maybe he really does run that Chris Curtis tape and comes back in with that exact same game plan and doesn't get taken down. And, and then you're looking at minus 200 instead of a uh, instead of a crazy like plus 150 or plus 180 or something like that. You never know. Live betting's tricky. All right. Next up, everybody, we got the fighting nerds, Kyle Barallo, the champion. You know, we saw these guys all over Dana White's Contender Series, but the team leader, the first one to make it to the UFC, Kyle here, fights on Saturday, taking on Abus Magomedov, maybe the weirdest fighter we've seen through two fights in the UFC in, in history outside of Cody, Cody Brundage. Like, what do you make of Abus? I... Man, okay, so I told this guy's life story when he made it to the UFC, all right? <laughs> like, I went in deep researching Abus, and I was so ready, Kyle. I was like, this guy is going to be a money train for us. We are going to make so much money. No one's going to know at all who he is. They're going to underestimate him. They're not going to give him the credit he deserves, and he's going to wreck people when he makes it to the UFC. Dustin Stolfus, 19-second KO. I couldn't have loved that spot more. We made good money that night. And then they jump him immediately to Sean Strickland. What the fuck, bro? Like, how do we go from Dustin Stolfus <laughs> to Sean Strickland? And I thought there was a chance Avis could still win that fight. In fact, I think I actually bet Avis against Sean Strickland. Sean obviously has gold wrapped around his waist now. <laughs> so that that didn't go too well. And the biggest thing was, what the fuck was that cardio, man? He died in like two and a half minutes. I swear. This is one of those spots where I almost feel like it's going to be a trap. Because he's a plus 210 dog to Kayo. And frankly, while Kayo has done what he needs to do in the UFC, I have not been impressed. Right? Like... He's well-rounded. He does everything fine. He's a karate striker, good range management, 
really solid defensive striking. Like his accuracy is on point and he gets out of the way of his opponents really quickly. So he's hard to hit, but he ends up being a little bit low volume in those situations. And he's got decent offensive wrestling, but when he hits the takedowns, he's a jujitsu guy. So he goes for positional control. He gets the back take. He, he works in control time and, and just kind of hangs on to you. That's not the kind of fight that I feel like is going to tire out somebody like Abus. And I also have a feeling, and again, this I have no information to base this on or anything like that. This is just like my headcanon here. I feel like Abus had something wrong with him. I feel like he was sick. You know, we're going to find out later in an interview, like three years ago, I was sick when I fought Sean Strickland or something like that. Because you don't run out of gas in two minutes. He's his whole entire career. He does usually finish early. So if you want to tell me this guy's got cardio issues, fine. I will absolutely believe you. And I think that might be true. But... He's never died off in four minutes before. Like, he's got five decision wins. He absolutely can go longer than the first round if he needs to. So, I don't think that was normal. I am tempted to just throw the rule book out the window and bet on Abus here because I do think he's the more potent finisher in this spot. He's a decent enough wrestler that I think he might be able to win some exchanges on the mat with Kyle. I think Kyle is flying a little too high for his britches compared to what we've actually seen from his skill set. He's fought a pretty questionable um, level of competition. He had a good back and forth battle with Armin Petrosian, a close competitive fight uh, that he won via grappling where he just kind of got that control time, like I mentioned. But the big one for me, man, you go back and look at the Mahmoud Muradov fight. He didn't win that fight. <laughs> the Mahmoud Muradov fight was weird. It was low paced. It was control time. But Mahmoud won in my opinion, he had the bigger shots. He did more damage. He reversed position. He got more control. Like everything was there for Muradov to have won that fight, but somehow it's unanimous the other way. That one was sketchy. Very, very sketchy in my opinion. Now we know the state of MMA judging don't need to get into it. So whatever it is what it is, but I don't think Kyo's as good as everyone's making him out to be. That's all I got to say. That's it. I just think he's not as good as people think he is. So I'm tempted to go back to the well and throw a flyer on my guy Abus here. Might not do it. I don't need to like piss away my profit for the year. We did finally break the hundred unit mark. So I don't want to give one away for free just because I've got, you know, I don't know, a little tingle in the back of my neck, but I'm getting that weird feeling on this one that something crazy is going to happen in this fight, man. So I, I kind of lean dog or pass from a betting perspective. How about you? Yeah. I mean, if I didn't see that Strickland fight, I would for sure be betting Magomedov here. Right. I, I, I thought he was the goods, man. I was, I thought he was, a potential champion, but then he signs up for a five round fight and he completely gasses in less than five minutes. And that was just one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen in the UFC. So bad. And it was such a draw off that I'm like, how can I, I don't want to pick this guy over anybody now, unless it, I'm certain he's going to finish him in the first round. I don't, I don't know that he's going to finish Brawlo in the first round. He's taking this fight on short notice. I don't think he's just cleared up all his cardio issues. Maybe you're right. Maybe something was wrong with him, but it was just so pathetic that I have no trust in this guy at all, and I have yeah. to pick Barajo to get the win. But everyone else is fading Magomedov as much as I am, if not more, to the point where now he's over plus 200. I don't hate the shot on the underdog here. I think he, I think he's going to be the better fighter in the first round. And if it was just an issue and the cardio is there, then he, he's very live to win this fight. But I do think he, the most the best thing about him is that he's very dangerous. And if Barajo can survive that first round, it's just, ugh, what's this guy look like after that? I have no idea. 
to me, it's just a stay away. I'm not going to bet either side of this fight, but the line is interesting on Magomedov. Uh, it's just, I wish I, I wish I hadn't seen that last fight. Cause I think I was pretty sure I bet on Magomedov there too. And I'm like, Oh my God, that was embarrassing. <laughs> so we'll see. I don't want to go back to the money and put my money on him uh, back to the well and put my money on him again yet. I hear you. I just, man, it, it never fails that this is the one, right? Like, cause if you skip this one where he's plus two ten, <laughs> and he wins, he's minus one eighty five next time again. Like this is, this is the one you have to like bootstrap up, hold your nose and take the shot and hope your initial read on this man was correct rather than your, your second guessing after his first uh, loss in the UFC. The fact that he's taking it on short notice almost makes me want to bet him more because it's man it's almost like that that shit was a fluke rinse the taste out let me get back in there and show you especially if something was wrong especially if he was sick you know what i mean like if he comes in healthy all of a sudden and looks like a million bucks we're all right back on the avis train so it it's a weird spot it really is um Again, I, dogger pass for me. I haven't decided if I'm going to bet it or not yet. You guys know me. I might sucker myself into this one at some point and uh, take the dog shot. Plus 210 seems like a little bit much. Um, but what are the props looking like? Let me let me get these props up here because I'm curious what the good numbers are for like Avis inside the distance or KO or something like that. Let me find something here for us. There we go. Thank you, Bet Online. So Abus by knockout is plus three twenty-five. Okay, that I mean, eh, it's not that much better than his money line. It wouldn't really be worth it. And frankly, I would never put money on Abus to submit Kyle Barallo. I would put money on him to submit other people, just not Kyle. So, um, yeah, money line's probably the way to way to go because they're not giving him much juice there on that KO prop. All right. Here we go, everybody. We are getting to the good part of the evening. Final three fights here. I am joined by my guy, Kyle Marley. Make sure you check him out on social media. He is a DFS guru, and I am free money. I am fishing a barrel when it comes to DFS. So Abus will be in all my lines, and he'll lose in round one. The next fight we're going to talk to you about is Rodrigo Nascimento taking on Dontael Mays. The rematch that nobody asked for. My guy, Dontael Mays, making his glorious return, and I... Man, Kyle, I, I left myself a note. I was like, last time I put a way too big a bet on Dante Elmaze to fade Mr. Andre Orlovsky. I was like, the time has come. I called it. 2023 is the year of the changing guard, man. All these old fighters that are old faithful that you can always count on. Ah, get in the boot. Every single one of them. I've been fading these old dogs and it's been working out really well. But Dante Mays gave me a freaking heart attack. This man is so untrustworthy. You have to serve him the finish on a platter for him to actually get it. There's an argument. He lost round one against Andre freaking Arlovsky in a kickboxing match, man. He was not doing anything in that fight. He's got the frame of a monster. And when he lets go, he's got big time power. He can finish people. He can knock people out. He's got those nasty hip thrusts we all like to see. And uh, <laughs> every, my guy Dan Levy's favorite gift to throw out there for everybody when uh, Dante Mays was hip thrusting. Uh, who was it? Was it uh, Josh Parisian in the face? Um, good times. Good times. But uh, he just doesn't put it together, man. I, we've gotten to the point where I've, I've honestly kind of given up on him. I've seen flashes of brilliance from Dante Mays. 
if he could put it all together, I actually think he could be something because he's got the frame. He's got the size. He's got a decent camp. Even though I kind of hate Jackson's MMA these days, it's all there. He just can't do it. He just can't pull it together. I don't know what it is. And if you're going to make those kinds of uh, bad mistakes, fight to fight to fight, even when they give you something gifted on a platter, I was clinching my butt like you've never seen before against Andre Arlovsky. Finally, he rocks him in the second round. It goes exactly the way I had planned it to. I get the win. All is well with the world, but I went, oh my God, never again. <laughs> never again am I trusting that man with my money. Now they're rebooking him against Rodrigo Nascimento in Brazil. Nascimento is only 30 years old. He's training an American top team. He's got incredibly fast hands. He's a little small for a heavyweight. He's a little on the smaller side, but that speed makes all the difference in the world. Now, he it's a little misleading. He's coming off back-to-back -back splits, Tanner Bozer, Ilya Latifi, and they're running it back with Dante Mays. That looks almost like a... Eh, like we're not really sure where this guy fits or how good he is. But like, man, you go back and you run that rematch, the first fight with Dante Mays, you, you rewatch that one. Dante wanted nothing to do with this man. I mean, nothing at all. On the feet, Rodrigo stormed his way forward. Every time he touched Mays, Mays was looking for the door. He wanted no part of that power and he couldn't handle the speed. And then when Nascimento got the takedowns, he subbed him. I mean, Dontel Mays didn't know what to do. So it's weird because if Dontel's in the driver's seat, if he goes for the wrestling, we've seen Nascimento make some egregious mistakes. I mean, like in the first round against Alan Badeau, he went for like a he went for like a drag style, like a drag and roll takedown, and he ended up mounted on bottom. Like he just pulled Alan Badeau right on top of him. So this guy can make bad mistakes and put himself in bad positions as well. And if you do that against a guy like Dante Mays, you're just never getting back up. Dante will spend the next four minutes on top of you, do some ground and pound, tire you out, and then get a free round out of it. So it makes it tough to trust Nascimento at this price tag. But I think I'm finally off the Mays train, and I can't stomach better even as a decent sized underdog i just feel like this is a rematch to kind of get nascimento going I, I think it's a free win for him from the ufc and he's got every advantage in the book minus 192 it's a little bit pricey but i think the favorite's right man i i got nascimento and and probably by knockout this time frankly um yeah i, I could see the knockout i'm definitely i don't think i've ever picked maze to win to be honest with you i'm not amazed guy at all long. Um, so I, I really have seen nothing to make me change my mind. I don't know why we're getting this rematch anyways. Not yeah. Cemento clearly beat him the first time. I haven't seen any real big improvements from Mays since then. So give me not Cemento to finish him at some point. Um, it's in Brazil. I think he could win every round too, if he wanted to, but I give him the striking edge. I give him the grappling edge. Um, yeah, maybe if he's on his back, uh, Mays could grind out some time there, but I feel like Mays getting a knockout would be his best chance of winning this one. Give me Nascimento to, to avoid that and get the win. Okay. All right. I actually was just looking at the numbers and plus 650 for Nascimento by KO. So that, that probably will get a little bit of a sprinkle from me again. You know, he subbed him last time. So everyone's going to be looking sub, but that's only plus 200. I'll, you know, I'll look for him to use his hands a little bit more and maybe get Maze to quit in there this time around. So we'll see. Maybe it's a big old sloppy weight over one and a half. We sent, we tend to see those quite often. Um, shouldn't be a very fun fight unless Nascimento does actually go ahead and get that finish for us. Um, not one I'm overly excited about, but at least, at least everybody, you can be proud of me 
I am not betting Dante Mays this weekend. <laughs> All right, co-main event time. We've got the other bomb theme, Gabriel bomb theme. The A-side bomb theme, in my opinion at least, seems like this kid's got the higher ceiling than his brother. He's younger too, and he's taking on Nicholas Dalby. I have a problem, Kyle. I, I do not have a good read on one Nicholas Dalby. I don't know what it is. I can't seem to nail the guy down. Like, he's getting old, he is 38, and he just keeps fucking winning. Like, every time I think he's going to lose, he just comes out and wins. Like, he's got decent wrestling. He's got a weird defensive style where he just kind of likes to stay away from his opponents. And even though he's got six wins by KO, that power just has not transitioned to the UFC. He hasn't knocked out anybody in the UFC. He's become a bit of a decisionator. So I think the power that he shows, you know, in flashes, he catches guys, he rocks them, he backpedals them. And then that's it. It's over. Like he, he just doesn't do anything beyond that. It never happens again. I don't know that he can knock UFC guys out quite frankly. So We've got a low-volume, defensive-oriented wrestler with a little bit of power, and they're giving him the hottest prospect in town. I promise you that Nicholas Dalby is not the co-main event. Gabriel Bonfim is the co-main event. This man's boxing is so slick. He's willing to sell out for his grappling because as much as he is a really good striker, he's an even better grappler. His submissions are on point and i worry about him pulling guard kyle i really do like that's kind of his move he loves the guillotine and he's willing to jump guillotine he did against trevin giles in his last fight but he's just so sure of it like it's just there and he's got such a tight squeeze that when he goes for it like he knows he's got it i worry that one of these days he's going to go for it against the wrong opponent it's not going to be there it's going to cost him the fight He'll go Brun to Jonas, where he'll give up two or three different takedowns, and he won't ever quite get it <laughs> and lose, you know, take his veteran L for the first time that way. But I don't think this is the fight where that's going to happen. And we already talked about the other Bonfim brother. It's basically the same skill set, man. There's not a lot more to talk about as far as Gabriel goes, except that he's taller and longer, and he might be even faster. So he's the better of the two brothers, in my opinion, and he can win this fight however he wants. Three knockout wins, 12 by sub. The one thing that we need to mention about Dalby is he's never been finished. Unless you do a little digging. If you guys remember Jesse Ronson, I was sold on that man. I thought Jesse Ronson was going to be something. Turns out he was on all the drugs. <laughs> and when he submitted Mr. Nicholas Dalby, that was overturned to a no contest because he popped and he was never seen or heard from ever again. He got blown out of the UFC his next couple of fights and uh, is shown just not to be on this level. Now that he's back on the regional scene and can take all the drugs he wants, he's finishing everybody in round one again. So definitely somebody who was propped up a little bit and you saw to had something to say about it. But regardless, the one time Dolby has ever been finished in an MMA fight it was via submission. I think the UFC, again, knows what they're doing here. This is matchmaking at its finest. They want Gabriel to do well. They want him to get another highlight. I don't think it's going to come as quick. I don't think it's going to come as easy. I doubt it's the round one 50-second finish the way it has been his last couple fights. I think Dolby puts up a fight, but I do think he eventually gets cracked, and it's probably another club and sub. Uh, what do you make of this one here, Kyle? Yeah, real excited about this Bond film. Brother, I think he, I mean, we haven't seen any flaws in his game, really. No. Um, the worries would be that he's finished everybody. So what happens if he gets extended? 
Um, but man, yeah, I just don't think Dalby is the guy to do that in Brazil. Typically, Dalby is a low volume striker. He he's really picked that up in his last two fights, which is good to see, I guess. But how long is that going to continue at like 38 years old or whatever? And now they're flying him out to Brazil, giving him the co-main event. Yeah, this is a fight that the UFC wants Bonfim to win. I don't know that he's maybe this is the the part where we're going to see him get a 15 minute fight, and if he can win all three rounds against Dalby, then that'll like, be saying something. Who the hell am I going to pick against this guy? But I'm going to pick him to get a finish again. He's just so dangerous on the feet. I think he can crack Dalby, knock him out at any point. Jesse Ronson dropped him. And I don't care how many drugs you give Jesse Ronson. I think Bonfim destroys him. So um, give me give me Bonfim to get a finish. I, I don't really want to lay minus 600. I was really looking at him at minus 360. I was going to parlay him with like David Onama. Then da- Onama fell off yep. and the line moved. So I, I don't really see any value left now, but I think we can take like an inside the distance type of prop. If you want to take a chance on the knockout or submission, you get a much better number on the knockout. So maybe you've been kind of doing that this whole show, just kind of going from the submission to the knockout. Maybe this is my one where I want to say he's usually getting the submission, but this is the one where he's just going to blast him and take his head off in the first round. Hey, I don't hate it. I don't hate it one bit. That would definitely be a move that I would approve of here uh, for this one, man. I do think it's a sub myself, but uh, like you said, pick your poison with this kid, right? He, he can kind of do it however he wants. I was hoping to do the uh, meme shit, <laughs> Bonfim, Bonfim parlay, but because they are both so incredibly juiced at this point, because everybody is doing the Bonfim, Bonfim parlay, um, you're still laying about two to one on that parlay. Now, I don't necessarily think that's a bad move or a bad bet still. You probably still win that bet, but it's not sexy. You need to add that third leg in there to really make that one feel like you're getting an okay number. What I'm looking at doing is Bonfim, Bonfim, and then scroll all the way back down to uh, Eduardo Mura, and then you get like minus 130. That's kind of where I'm looking at on this one. Because like I said, I feel like Mura, even though she, you know, women's MMA is stupid shit, I still feel like she's the free square on this card. So if we're getting both Bonfim Bros and Mura, you can get close to even money. That'd be the way that I would start to build that chalky ass parlay. Maybe we do another PRP this week. You know, maybe we just do the layered parlay thing again this week because it's uh, another chalky card where you just got to avoid that parlay buster. But you guys know me. Rather than avoid the parlay buster, I try to bet on the parlay buster. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the main event of the evening. We have got Jailton Almeida taking on none other than the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Now, last time, last time my boy Derek Lewis fought, I made a big deal out of it. Kyle, I I was telling people, y'all must have forgot. Like, you're (laughs) telling me that this man is being marked as an underdog against tubby marcos rogerio de lima what the fuck is wrong with all of you i could not believe what they did to my man and he came out and flew like a beautiful angel through the air first round flying knee ko i couldn't have scripted it any better it was like you could have made a movie about me being the broken downtrodden gambler finding the underdog that nobody in the world wants to bet on and then watching him in slow motion flying through the air and winning by first round ko it was beautiful couldn't have scripted it any better myself problem is now he's taking on jail 10 almeida so We know these guys, right? Like Dana White's contender series, maybe the hottest fighter they've had not named Jamal Harrell or Sean O'Malley, right? Like this kid is 
the goods. He's got really great wrestling. He's a physical specimen. And I, I mean that in every meaning of the word. He he is absolutely a brick shit house. And he's a stud, man. Like he's got beautiful takedown entries. He's got wonderful jujitsu. He's aggressive with that ground and pound striking. He softens people up once he gets on top of them. And then he opens up that submission. Derek Lewis has fought a couple wrestlers in his day, though, Kyle. And I went back and I looked at it and I was like, all right, what kind of comps do we have for this kind of a fighter, right? And there are four of them. There are four of them. He's had mixed success. You've got Sergey Spivak, who most recently dragged his ass all around the cage, basically made him wilt and give up in that first round. And he lost that fight. But before that, he fought Curtis Blades. And he nuked Curtis Blades coming in for that takedown. And there's questions about Curtis Blades' chin ever since. Like, that was the biggest shot you've ever seen. Before that, he actually won a decision against Ilya Latifi with that patented Black Beast fuck you get up game where he just stands up even though he's got, you know, 300 pounds of man sitting on his chest. It doesn't matter. He's strong enough to just get up out of that position anyway and kind of worked his way to a slow-paced decision against Ilya Latifi. And then the last one was the champ, Daniel Cormier. Short notice, you know, got booked last minute. DC managed to scramble, get him down, grab the rear naked choke. It was a bit of a slop fest. DC was panicking, trying to find that sub. He wanted no part of this man on the feet. So he's two and two against good grapplers in the UFC. And the thing for me is, I was ready to anchor every single parlay on Jailton Almeida. Now, you guys notice I've been quiet on social media about this fight. I'm not out there telling you y'all must have forgot. I'm not banging my chest going back to Derek Lewis. But Kyle, after I dug into this, I got to be honest with you. I'm tempted because Jailton Almeida still hasn't been really tested outside of round one. He's a natural 205-er, and now that he's kind of filling out at heavyweight, he's a little smaller. He's a little lighter. We've seen athletic heavyweights do really well. Guys like Tom Aspinall, who's going to be fighting for a uh, fake belt while they, you know, parade John Jones and, and Stipe, even though the real champ Nganu is out there somewhere. Uh, anyway, sidebar. <laughs> Jailton still really hasn't been tested. And Shamil Abdurakimov is the first guy in the UFC uh, to get him out of the first round. He was able to stay safe, defend, get back up to his feet. And that was always my thing is I'm like, what does this guy look in round two? Well, frankly, he looks the same in round two as he looks in round one. But Shamil is another one of these over-the-hill, 42-year-old, old tough guys. Like, he's got nothing going on. He's got nothing to offer. Jarzinho Rosenstroik didn't even know how to defend the grappling positions when they got to the ground. His coaches were literally, like, walking him through step-by-step step in that fight while it was happening. It looked like he didn't train a single day of jiu-jitsu before he fought Jailton Almeida, which just seems like maybe a bit of an oversight for this guy. You know, the big boys don't generally like to train their grappling, so they don't really like to be on bottom. It doesn't look like he even worked on it. That's not the, that's not true with Derek Lewis. He's done a lot from bottom. He knows how to get up. He knows how to be patient, wait for his time, wait to explode to get back up to his feet. He's a hard guy to control. And Sergey Spivak got him back to the ground with a load of different moves. It was trips. It was hip tosses. It was drags. Like, he never used the same attack twice to get Derek Lewis back down to the mat. Jailton Almeida shoots desperation takedowns from 10 feet away. Even in, in the second round against Shamil. He took a big right hand from Shamil Abdurakimov and wanted no part of it. Backed off and then dove on his legs from outside. That's exactly the kind of takedown that Derek Lewis used to light up 
Curtis Blades. I'll be honest with you, Kyle. I'm very tempted to go one more time with Derek Lewis in this spot. I know I may be burning money on fire. I know I may just never see the cash that I place on Derek Lewis ever again. But JL10 Almeida comes in face first on power double legs every single time. He doesn't trip. He doesn't look for the back. He doesn't drag. He doesn't throw. It's double legs. It's always double legs. And Derek Lewis knows how to counter double legs with fists. I'm tempted to run one more time with the Black Beast, man. Tell, tell me I'm crazy. What, what are you doing here? I mean, I wouldn't say you're crazy because of the line. But, yeah. I mean, I've never been real high on Derek Lewis. He can knock out anybody with the right shot. But I feel like his last fight was one of the first times in a long time I've picked him to win. Um, I mean, and I'm glad I did, but it was just because everyone was just looking to fade him at that point. Mm-hmm. And Marcos DeLima is not that great. So I was like, well, no why, why is a, another fighter who's <laughs> not that great favored over Derek Lewis? So exactly. it just didn't make sense. But now it definitely makes sense why Almeida is favored over him. He's been, he's been in five UFC fights. He's been hit twice. Um, <laughs> so it's hard to think that he's going to get knocked out when he never gets hit. But man, if it only takes once from from Lewis, it could happen. But I I would rather just bet it. Well, I don't know that it would be in the first round. Maybe he could survive in the first round That's and the knock him out at the start of the second or something. Volkov, I, I man, he, he does good it late too for Lewis, or or just take him by knockout. I think that's plus five hundred. Get you a little bit better of a number. Um, but I just see this going like all the other Almeida fights. He gets him to the ground and then he big brothers him until he gets a finish. Um, So I would rather take a shot at either the knockout prop, the submission prop, or they laid out like plus 105 for him to win in the first round. I I like that one. I'm picking Almeida to win in the first round. Um, I just don't think Lewis is going to have anything to offer off his back. And those four wrestlers you you named, I mean, Sergey Spivak, yeah, he he dominated him on the ground with the wrestling. Um, Cormier, he's going to dominate most people with the wrestling. Curtis Blades, I don't know if you know this, but we've actually taken his wrestling card away. So he doesn't even count anymore. <laughs> uh, and then Alir Latifi, he sucks. So I'm not going to go ahead and, and ride the Lewis hype much more. But this is a fight like on DraftKings where you kind of want to be all in because Almeida is either going to dominate him on the floor, score 110 plus like he always does, or he's going to get flatlined in the first round and Lewis is going to kill off 60% of the lineups and just break the absolute slate. So this is a fight I'm going to be Staying away from the money line for sure, but I will load up on DraftKings DFS and hopefully win big somehow there. Yes, sir. I like it. All right. You know, you're saying the same things that I am, and uh, this might be a keep it simple, stupid type of spot. You know, it might, it, Jailton might just be that guy. He really might. Like for some reason, I've always tried to be on the other side of him. I've wanted to poke holes in him and, and try to find a way to fade him when he's at his peak. And it feels like this one might be it, but I've been looking for it for for now two years, right? And he just keeps finishing people in the first. So maybe we keep it simple, stupid, and and it's just Jailton, and I saved my money. But you know me. I I might end up pulling the trigger on my boy Derek Lewis, just for old time's sake. You know, I'm free rolling right now on my boy after the three-unit banger at plus odds from the last fight. So we'll see what happens, man. Uh, Kyle, I want to thank you so much for joining me here on the pod tonight, my guy. We broke down all of UFC Sao Paulo for you all listening. Uh, Make sure you give my guy a follow, especially if you're into the daily fantasy sports, especially if you're looking for DraftKings help and things like that. This man is an absolute gem, uh, a full treasure trove of information for you to help out with that aspect of gambling. Um, Kyle, if you can tell the people 
where they can follow you or support you or what shows you've got coming up. Uh, now is your chance, man. Floor is yours. Hey, follow me on Twitter at Big Marley Three. Um, I do a show every Friday over at the Ship It Nation YouTube channel with my guy Title Town. We break down every card from a DraftKings angle. And this week we'll actually have Brett Apley on, so it should be a fun yeah. show. Tune in. That's it's going to be a little later this week. It's usually 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays. I think it'll be closer to 4 p.m. this week because it'll be a longer show. But yeah, it's a it's a free show every week. And I, I mean, I'm pretty decent at DFS, but the guys I work with over there at Ship It Nation are much better than me. So go over there, learn from those guys. But we have been crushing it. I think yesterday we had over four hundred thousand dollars in winnings in our Discord. Uh, we had a Millie Maker winner like two weeks ago, something like that. I've been destroying it. The guys I work for have all had like 100K plus wins in the last month. So it's been insane. Great community in the Discord as well. So shipitnation.com. I actually think they might have a code. It ends today, though. NBA 10 would get you 10% off. And we have all sports included for one price, and that includes MMA, where uh, me and Title Town take all that. There you go. All right, everybody. Get on over there. Make that money. I hope you all have a wonderful week. We are back to our normal schedule. Total Takedown Thursday. Undefeated post-way and show Friday. We will break that tinfoil hat back out. And then, of course, live right here on Pub Sports Radio, they've got the Bet Companion stream that will be going during the UFC Sao Paulo card on Saturday. Kick some ass, everybody. I know you've got it in you. Times are tough. People are a little down. Holidays are coming up. Money's a little tight. We're going to make some money again this weekend. I can feel it in my bones. And we're going to ride out this hot streak all the way to 2024, baby. So keep your chin up. Keep punching. When life throws at you, you throw back just a little bit harder. We're going to kick some ass together, everybody. Let's roll.